One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15 stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rose, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hello and welcome to the Pro Wrestling Show in association with Talk Sport. We'll be recording a proper full show later this week, reviewing all the week's action from the world of graps. But coming up on today's show, we went off to the NXT UK tapings in Coventry this past weekend, and we sat down for 40 minutes with Mark Andrews and Flash Morgan Webster, the Welsh duo who are tearing it up as a tag team. Have been tearing it up in singles in the independent scene for an incredibly long time. So. Here is our conversation with those guys in full for you on the Pro Wrestling Show. Uh, you're listening to the Pro Wrestling Show. Just before we get to Mark Andrews and Flash Morgan Webster, as always, head to talksport.com forward slash WWE for all the latest wrestling news. Uh, we will have a big podcast later this week, so you can subscribe or you can follow us at Pro Wrestle Show on Instagram and Twitter. Uh, do give us those likes, those uh, those subscriptions and, and those ratings as well, because it does make a big difference between us getting noticed and not noticed by uh, by the great and the good and getting our ratings up there and getting more of our uh, more listeners for the podcast. So we really appreciate anything you can do to help. Thank you so much, as always, for joining us. A really fun conversation today with uh, Mark Andrews and with Flash Morgan Webster. No, before you listen and here, I haven't spoken to them since Wales tonked England at the uh, at the Principality, and uh, I have no intention of doing so until that is wiped from the memory. So uh, here's our conversation with Flash Morgan Webster and Mark Andrews. Oh, and uh, just very quickly, the first minute or so of this is going to sound really naff because I didn't have one of the mics working. <laughs> Fixed it after about a minute, and so you'll hear the audio change. Uh, so yeah, if you could just ride out that first 50 seconds or so, it goes to beautiful HD just after that. Well, delighted to be joined on the show now, and unlike when John's here and he pretends to be Welsh, he's from Hereford, and pretends he's Welsh and supports the Welsh rugby team and the football team, and it's actually got a little bit Welsh in here, so delighted to say that we've got Mark Andrews and Flash Morgan Webster joining us. How are we doing, boys? Yeah, good. Yeah, thanks for having us. Thank you for having us. Are you, and firstly, we're speaking on a day where, and people aren't going to hear this till after they know the result, but it is a rather big rugby match tonight, and are you guys going to get a chance to watch it while you're at the uh, while you're getting ready for the show tonight? Well, we hope, we hope so, yeah. With the internet being as good as it is nowadays, hopefully we can uh, <laughs> put, a stream, put a stream in the back, and we've got, a, we've got a roster that's very... 
English, we've got a few of the Welsh lads as well, so it could be... It could get quite rowdy backstage, Yeah, it'll be an interesting dynamic backstage, I think. Hopefully we can stream the game anyway. Well, it's not the positive view we've heard of Coventry, although you guys, like we were saying just before, you, you cut your teeth here. You've got some pretty positive memories of Coventry. Yeah. Um, well, I think back in the day, we came up here quite a lot, and a lot of our first shows were up in Coventry, a place called Willenhall, um, and Jolly Beggar, which is literally a pub across the road from the Coventry Sky Dome. So it's quite a nice little kind of... Um, yeah, we can look back and go, hey, that's the, the venue we used to wrestle at tons, and now we're in the big one over the road. So it's quite a nice weekend to be, you know, celebrating, actually. Yeah, it was, it was my first uh, my first booking outside of, of Wales was in Coventry. And as Mark said, it was only a small club, but they had the likes of Finn Balor wrestled there, Daniel Bryan wrestled there. And we could just remember just hearing about this small little club in Coventry that was bringing all these indie stars, and we just thought, right, we need to be a part of this. And... It was a big development in, in us becoming the stars that we are today. Yeah, Coventry has quite the history, I guess. It's, it's quite a history for something, so it's good that it's pro wrestling. Uh, look, I, I'm really intrigued uh, over the last kind of six, seven weeks or so since we were down in the performance centre, how that has changed what you guys have been doing over recent times. Have you guys been based down in London with the performance centre? How has that you know, facility changed what you guys have been doing over the last couple of months? We haven't been based uh, there, but we've been lots of traveling back and forth, lots of training, and it really, really does it will help our careers, really. It's, it's crazy. You join a company like the WWE, and suddenly your eyes almost get open to all the things that you didn't know before you know it, it's a huge learning curve for everyone on the roster and everyone who's at the PC it's just all the, the equipment they have there alone is something that I would have only dreamed of when I started wrestling when I was you know 12, 13 yeah. I mean when I first went to my training the first training session I went to was like you know a few blue mats on the floor and then you walk into this place and it's two massive rings it's incredible gym equipment you know you've got a training coach there it just it really is kind of what dreams are made of if you want to be a professional wrestler. It's, it's outstanding, that place is. Yeah, totally. And, and on top of that, as Mark said, we've got the, the trainers. So we've got like uh, Robbie Brookside and we've got John Moss, who are fantastic, fantastic British wrestlers. And that's what we want. We want us to have this heritage of British wrestling within NXT UK. And on top of that as well, we do have uh, Sean Hayes, which is one of the best strength and conditioning coaches in the world. So everyone's getting in better and better shape every time we're there, both in the ring and out of the ring. It's crazy to think about the fact that you guys are only kind of in your, your mid-late 20s and yet comparatively you just said about like wrestling since you were 12 13 years old you're like stalwarts of the of the UK <laughs> scene at this point like yeah. you have those memories of coming and wrestling in a pub in Coventry and and like you're saying in Wales so like it's got to be such a I, I don't know how you see the scene right now compared with what it was 15 years ago it's got to be oh it's just it's leaps and bounds it's nice that we could have we were in somewhat a part of it growing as well you know it's uh, we've got to see it go from you know if you sold out a show to 100 people back in the day that was a very impressive feat yeah. these days you know you have monthly shows up and down the country like Progress and ICW selling out to 800 to 1000 and that's normal it's I don't know how I would have dealt with the pressure back in the day if my first match was in front of 800 people so in a way I'm kind of glad that we got to grow as the industry did but it's funny you're mentioning that we're still relatively young because I've always thought of myself as the young guy backstage and that now you have talent coming in like Rhea Ripley or Tyler Bay or you know Zaya Brookside, Zaya Brookside and I think whoa like I'm only 27 and I feel like the old guy backstage because if, if you start going on with your back in the day stories <laughs> already like, well, it wasn't yeah, like this in my day I'll yeah. tell you <laughs> <laughs> genuinely you know because these guys this, the one thing about the UK scene is that there's so much young talent and not only does that 
it, well, not only is that impressive uh, from the standpoint of, okay, there's lots of talent in the UK, but equally think about the years that they have ahead of them and ourselves included, hopefully, you know, but guys like Tyler Bate and Pete Dunn and Zy Brookside and Rhea Ripley and all those guys who are still in their early 20s, they've got years and years and years ahead of them to to continue their careers. Like, this is literally only the start and that that is a kind of, well, it's a really nice and exciting thought, isn't it? Well, we were saying when we recently that uh, some of the new trainees coming through and stuff like that throughout the scene that we spent years getting it wrong and being in front of nobody and kind of like trial and error, trial and error. And it's quite nice now that the scene is so good that they're able to get on these big shows on top of it, that there's now people, because we didn't have it, kind of a lot of the generation before us kind of left and they went off, that we didn't have anyone guiding the way. But now we, myself, Mark Andrews, the Wild Bull, Mike Hitchman uh, in Wales can be like, well, okay, we tried this. It didn't exactly work. Maybe try it this way. So uh, we, they're kind of able to cut out those bits where we got stuff wrong, 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 wrong. And they're able to kind of get a head start and get on the right track. It's obviously really cool that you guys are getting to work together with the stuff you're doing at NXT UK, considering you, know, you came through, you mentioned progress, but like Attack and the stuff coming out of Wales as well. What's your first kind of memory of each other when you first kind of found each other? Before <laughs> you either got in a ring together with a tag or against each other. What's that kind of, what do you remember of each other? As I remember, you can we, were training at, <laughs> we were training at a place called NWA Wales, is where we both started out. And I've been wrestling for maybe about six months. And uh, Wild Boar, Mike Kitchman, and Flash Morgan Webster show up with some of their friends. And I was instantly annoyed and jealous because they showed up and they were doing all these crazy, impressive moves. And I was like, how are these guys doing this on their first day? And I'd already been training for like six months. And I thought I was like the best trainee there, you know? And I was like, who are these cool guys? Little did I know they'd been like, practicing in their back garden doing all these cool moves and stuff and I was like that's all oh, it was awesome so yeah you kind of uh, pushed me out of my comfort zone to get you know to get better actually so it, it's a good thing that you guys did show up to training <laughs> well, well on the flip side as well as Mark said the, the scene back then was very very different there wasn't a lot of stuff happening and and even some of the guys and no discredit to them but even some of the guys on the Welsh scene who were seen as, as quite prominent and quite quite good the standards weren't that great so when we first came in we kind of went to training a little bit myself while Bo and a lot of time we would go back to, to kind of doing backyard and stuff and I remember we saw Mark and Mark was really really good in training but instead of it being Mark going oh you guys need to get on shows it was more us not going come to the backyard come with <laughs> yeah. us come with us <laughs> of course he, he, he said no and um, credit to him and those years then where we were kind of one foot in one foot out and we didn't commit to pro wrestling Mark was there forging the way and keeping the Welsh the Welsh scene alive so when we did have enough and we thought okay we are going to commit to pro wrestling we came in and Mark had already kind of started building up this scene and this reputation so it was so much easier for me and Mike then when we uh, needed to branch out and I, I guess as well you were probably happy to have two other people travelling from Wales oh, with you. definitely. <laughs> and you got to think as well, this is back when we were between 15 and 15 to 18 years old. So yeah. e even back then, you know, we say it as if it was like, oh, one foot in, one foot out. But at 16, 17 years old, it's a completely understandable thing to, yeah, to be doing true. really, isn't it? You're know? <laughs> real passionate about it. So that's exactly, like, yeah. exactly. You know? I mean, you said it there, but you were, it felt like kind of it all in from the start. Was there ever, uh, like, Flash for you, something, a point where, there was another option to wrestling where you did think you were going to be doing something else or, uh, you know, once you got to that age where you needed to make a decision on your life, you went, right, this is it, I'm all in. I, I come from a small, I come from a small little Welsh town from the same street as, uh, from the same street, from the same town as Adrian Street. And um, I come from a, a very 
if I'm honest, a very poor working class background. So the only way to to get out of that really was university. So the likes of Walbo Mike Hitchman, he and he'll say this, he had the luxury of kind of being able to go and wrestle straight away, whereas I, I didn't have the money or the means to do that. So the only way for me to get out of that town was to go to university. So I went and got myself uh, an art degree, art and psychology degree, and then I went on to get a, a teaching degree. And the the scene was ticking on. It was, it was getting better and getting better, but still, maybe even five, six years ago, it wasn't what it is now. We didn't think that we'd be able to make a living on the indies, let alone with the WWE. So I went and got myself a, a teaching degree. And then I think it was uh, 2017, I got offered a full-time position at a, at a school that I loved. And then the indies really started ramping up. So I had this decision of taking this taking this job or going full leg with the indies. And I decided, thanks to the girlfriend who said, which one will you regret more? And I said, I regret not going two feet in with the indies and I did that in 2017 and I've been full-time ever since it does it does feel like there's always somebody behind you doesn't it there's always someone yeah. behind that story who gave you that little extra push who said no no you've got to go and do this because uh, like you say it was starting to starting to explode at that point starting to grow but not compared with what it is now and I wonder I, I joked about you guys being like the elder statesman but is was is there like a, a story you tell if you get like if the young guys or the young girls want to know about like what it was like back in the day are you like yeah well you turn up at all these schools they've got professional rings well when I was coming through dot 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 yeah I'll be honest I I very quickly jump on the kind of grizzled vet whenever I'm taking training classes. I don't mean to. It's just, I mean, I guess there's no like, you know, first story that pops in my head. But as I said, uh, when I first started training, it was once a month uh, at the local community center. And there were just some blue training mats on the floor. And that was it. And then my, my dad, um, who was incredibly supportive, as you said a minute ago, you know, you always need a good support system around you, especially if you're doing something like pro wrestling. And for me, luckily, my parents were really supportive, and especially my dad. He used to drive me like five or six hours from Cardiff up to Kent to go on like uh, week training camps uh, up in the, we sit in this like, grotty little like like bed and breakfast hotel like in retrospect my parents like were like hey he's 15 years old let's let him go up there and like <laughs> it probably looks doubtful looking back but like I remember you know that's where I'd have to go and train because you could only train once a month in Wales so it was like I have to travel five hours to have a week training camp whereas these days obviously every city has a pretty decent training academy um, you can probably find somewhere within an hour traveling which has got a reputable kind of trainer and stuff like that whereas back in the day you'd have to drive you know, miles to go and find a good training school. So that's kind of the, the thing that I always drive home is just how much the scene has grown. And you actually took the leap to go out to the States, you and Pete Dunn, and just, just kind of threw caution to the wind and actually went, we're going to give this a go. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think that mainly came from our, like, kind of like the punk rock mindset, the DIY mindset of, like, just go and do it yourself. And, you know, we always wanted wrestling to us to kind of be, like, what a tour life would be for a, a punk rock band, you know? So we were like, let's fly ourselves out. Let's just book a hotel for, like, two nights. And after that, let's just see what happens. Which, again, in retrospect, seems quite doubtful. <laughs> I made some risky decisions. Here. <laughs> but, yeah, but, and it ended up being great. We met loads of friends. You know, we were just sleeping on floors up and down, well, across America. I think we ended up wrestling in 10 states over the space of about 10 weeks and like about 20 matches just across the place. It was honestly the best experience of my life. And like, I think Pete would say the same. It really, that was something which I definitely don't regret in any way. And it was made so many friends uh, to the stage where then when I moved out to America, maybe two years later, 
there for a brief, uh, like a short period. Uh, I, I move in with one of my friends, you know. So in the grand scheme of a life decision, it was incredibly positive, even if we were wrestling in front of crowds of 10 people most nights, you know. And that's kind of the charm of it as well, isn't it? You know, 50 fans or 50,000, it's nice to just give it your all regardless of what show you're on because that's what for, to me that's what it's about you know what I mean it's about loving what we do and doing it to entertain anyone and everyone and, and then you you mentioned kind of that you went out and lived there for a brief period of time you got the TNA impact stuff did you think you made it at that point we just like that's it I'm on TV now this I'm on the rocket ship I'm on the way oh I, I definitely had in my, in, well, in my head I mean I felt like I'd made it after I debuted my first match I was like it's happened I've already achieved more than I ever thought I would you know because you gotta remember like back when it was, so I started training in 2006 so back then the thought of like a five foot seven skinny Welsh boy going to the WWE that was completely off the cards so when I debuted my first match, I was like, well, I've made it. You know, that's it. And then when I did my first overseas show, I was like, oh, I've definitely made it now. And then when I joined TNA, I was like, well, this is definitely <laughs> it. And now I'm here and I'm like, whoa, like I had low expectations for myself considering I should have shot higher, you know? Well, I love that when you talk about the TNA stuff, you went and did TNA and we had like a goodbye show and we were like, yep, that's it. We've never seen him again. He's gone. <laughs> and then like two months later, we're like, oh, hey, Mark. Yeah. <laughs> I, like, I moved oh, back. Hi, Mark. Like, yeah, turns out I can still live here. <laughs> I mean, it's got to be quite weird for you, Fresh, because you saw these guys coming through. They had those opportunities, but then the first UK tournament came around and, and you're not involved in that. How much of a push was that to you to say, right, there is something big starting to happen here and I need to make sure that come next year... I'm in that tournament. I'm involved. I'm getting signed. It was it was it was super motivated. Um, I wrestled in the Cruiserweight Classic qualifier with uh, Saxib Junior in uh, April 2016. My dates, yeah, 2016. And unfortunately, uh, just hit my shoulder and got a torn labrum. Had to have surgery on that. And uh, so I wasn't medically cleared for the the first tournament, which of course was heartbreaking. But knowing how wrestling works, there's no guarantees that I would have been in that tournament. Uh, so. It was good to kind of have that, that maybe that little excuse to say, like, hey, maybe I would have been in there, but the shoulder is why I'm not. So that was because maybe if I was cleared and I hadn't gone in there, maybe that would have been a big blow to me. But it was, it was so cool to kind of see the people I'd grown up with, like the Pete Dunn's, the Tyler Bates, the Mark Andrews, kind of get that chance. And not only get that chance, but when I went, I was there for night two, watched them absolutely kill it. Like he'll tell you, I came to see you guys at the hotel afterwards. And I was like, almost like, almost crying because it was just, it was so it was so cool to see my friends kind of that I'd known for ages that were awesome for them to for them to kill it and we've been saying for ages we said that Pete Dunne we've been saying for years that Pete Dunne's one of the best in the world we yeah. have yeah we've known and him for a while <laughs> and that weekend the whole world knew about it and we were just like well we were right see he is, he <laughs> yeah. is the best now he everyone is the best. knows and now everyone knows <laughs> it's a different time though compared with when you guys were first coming in and you could you know you had to get out there in front of 50 people uh, uh, 70 people whatever it was night in night out and, and kind of prove yourself to those crowds it feels like nowadays not only have you got stuff like the WWE UK the Performance Centre but actually with social media Media, with the internet like guys can get over ridiculously quickly because it's just so easy to access the stuff that they're doing and you almost feel like some maybe people need to cut their chops a bit more maybe people need to get out there and, and be wrestling more and getting out there a bit more before they get those chances oh 100% I mean uh, going back to actually quote my dad again he said to me because obviously he's known Pete for years he's known all you guys you know because from staying around my house and stuff like that over the years and he said he was like oh you know the way to define Pete is it's 10 years of hard work to become an overnight success and it's so true because like he literally became an overnight success on that weekend you know from those two days on that tournament 
everyone was talking. And I know, obviously, same with Tyler Bate, but obviously Tyler won the tournament. But to, to, to not win the tournament and to get the kind of... Well, the attention that Pete did from that weekend just goes to show, but it didn't happen overnight. You know, it happened from 10 years of wrestling in front of 10 people, of going and training in Japan, of traveling America, of really, really, you know, kind of hustling to get to that position. And I do think, as you said, you know, with social media these days, we live in that instant gratification generation, don't we? Where everybody kind of wants the likes and the kind of, they want to become overnight successes, but maybe they haven't done the 10 years of hard work so I think it works both ways I think with the scene being so hot at the moment in some ways it can be detrimental to, to some talent because maybe they get exposed to the world too fast yeah. you know and we always yeah, you know, we were always like pulling our hair out being like oh when's Pete going to get noticed when's Pete going to get noticed like he's not getting the opportunities but like in retrospect it's very good that he didn't <laughs> get exposed yeah. too soon because obviously <laughs> it happened at the right time and look where he's at now you know yeah there's it, like you say, there's there's so many eyes on people now that we fought, we fell so many times or we got stuff wrong so many times that in a way it was good that the scene hadn't exploded because no it, to see nobody it. was there to see it. So when the, the scene started coming up, people were going, who's this Mark Andrews? Who's this Flash Morgan Webster? And it's like, well, like, oh, they're good. Where have they come from? It's like, well, again, 10 years of, or eight years or five years of, of working hard and having other people kind of guide the way and falling down and getting back up. So... I kind of, I'm kind of glad that we were that last, not saying we, I'm glad that we were that last generation, but I'm glad that we definitely had that opportunity to do that. I don't envy the the people coming through now that have the eyes on them straight away, but then at the same time, they do have more opportunity and they do have better facilities. So I guess it, if you weigh it up, it probably works itself out just right. But I, I love the way that we did it. And I'm, I think I'm very, I'm very grateful. Yeah. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at MintMobile.com slash switch. $45 $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. 
connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. I think you do talk about the way that, that you guys did it and the way that you came up, and that's obviously a great way to, to hone your ring craft. But what's different, I feel, with the indie scene nowadays, and you've seen it more so, I mean, based in London, progress is the, the time we see you guys the most. The kind of longer-term storytelling you guys get to tell, like all your stuff with, with Mark Haskins and those guys, and I think about, like, the night you won the Thunder Bastard, but in the same match we got the you and Eddie story kind of getting that big push which ended at Wembley, and actually that long-term storytelling, that must be a whole other facet that wasn't there 10 years ago, 8 years ago. Well- yeah. yeah, well, yeah, it, it definitely is. And it's another thing as well that I, you see so many newer people come in and they get these opportunities and they, yeah, they might know how to do some cool stuff, but they don't know who they are as a wrestler yet. So sometimes they can get put on a, on a progress and they don't do as well as people expect or they do okay and little by little then maybe they drop off and they, they fall off. Whereas the time we got there, we've been wrestling for six, seven years. So even if we had a, a match that was very much had cool stuff in it we still knew how to kind of get ourselves over as characters and get people invested so they wanted to see more of us and if something went wrong or something maybe didn't play off as well as it could we still knew as well that the little trinkets we give them along the way would build up something bigger down the line I do think it's harder now these people are coming in with less experience I do think it's a lot harder for them to come into big platforms like Progress and stay relevant and stay on top when they don't have that experience and know who they are as wrestlers. Yeah, I do, I do think that one perk of the scene being so hard at the moment is, as you said, the ability to be able to push a storyline. Because back in the day, when we were doing these little shows, it was to a random crowd every night. It wasn't to like a regular crowd who was coming back every single time. And, just, and same with like the on-demand stuff. You wouldn't have, you'd have people buying DVDs, but the storylines would only be followed by maybe 5% of the crowd. As you said, you go to a progress show, all eight, pretty much all 800 people know the storyline and they're coming back for that reason. So that's definitely one of the biggest perks of the scene growing so so strongly recently because that you actually get to kind of do storylines, which is the best part of pro wrestling, right? Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah, I am, um, in particular, we joked about the instant gratification, but... The moment where you go off the top of the ladder and through that table, we joked about it, might be the most filmed moment in British wrestling history because the next day (laughs) you went on Twitter and there must have been 80, 100, 150 clips just from every different angle in the room of people taking it. And yeah. obviously Eddie just retweeting every single one of them. The, yeah. The Jodie the Fleisch of our generation, you oh, could say. I hope so. I just wish the table had broken on. <laughs> so we had Eddie on the show not long before that. And we kind of became friendly with him. We were doing the stuff around when he did that Bret Hart tour and he was hosting that. And we were doing some stuff with them there. And uh, I messaged him afterwards and I said, I'd like just saying, mate, that was incredible. And amazing to see the kind of long-term storytelling pay off and the crowd already respond to it. And I got a five-word answer, which was, thank you, mate, fuck tables. Because <laughs> <laughs> it was just one of those ridiculous occasions where it just, everything you seem to do, mm. like the crowd was so over with it. And it's to react and change what you're doing when you're getting that frustration and still pull it off. Yeah, do you know what? Experience. I actually think, and this is me, as, well, a performer within wrestling, 
you, you always think to yourself, okay, how to uh, uh, kind of um, how to bring in a crowd which aren't wrestling fans, but equally you want to continue to entertain wrestling fans. And I always think it's a funny example with tables breaking because if I showed that to someone who wasn't a wrestling fan, they'd just go, oh, that looked like it hurt. It didn't even break. Like they'd almost think it was more impressive that a table didn't yeah. break. But because wrestling fans were so conditioned to tables break, you know, it's like, oh, you know, it all went wrong. When really it's like, oh, it's... I, I almost wish we could strip our minds and go back to a, t a better time when when we could just, take, you know, if I was a kid and I saw someone like land on a table and it didn't break, I'd be like, whoa, you know what I mean? But we're all just kind of conditioned to watching what what we've seen so many times before. It's a hard middle ground to get. I'm not saying that I would ever plan for a table not to break. No, <laughs> but, no, no. But, but, you know what I mean? It's just, I, I wish there was more credit to one not breaking. <laughs> Can I say your match as well is a real testament to how much the the locker room has come along as well because maybe when we first started there would be people in the back who could have like you know I hope he trips or I hope on their entrance or yeah, whereas like we were all backstage watching and when that final table broke the backstage erupted we were we were so pleased for you guys we were there like come on so when it did break it was like you it was a true locker room moment where everyone was like yes they got it you paid <laughs> off so I think it's a, a match of testament to you guys out there but also like how much like the locker room and all the boys kind of like respect the art and want the scene to do well and the show to do well. Yeah, everybody wants each other to do well in this day of age, which is, you're right, that wasn't common back in the day, I don't think, but um, yeah, these days, it's a much more communal group. And it was message. sick. Fresh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I want to ask you a little bit about character because different to, to Mark, who kind of, I guess it's a size thing, you're kind of always working from under and being the, the baby face, but what I love about your character is that you've managed to keep the character but flip that kind of heel face good guy villain stuff and, and work on both sides what do you enjoy more oh, oh um if you say heel I'll never forgive you <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's a difficult one um I think that both of them definitely have their advantages and disadvantages and being the one I will put down one is I feel it's, it's easier it's easier to walk into a room and try to get people to hate you I do think that's a lot easier because it's anyone can go into a room and, and gesture something or say something and they can get a negative reaction especially nowadays with clickbait and stuff like that people want to act negatively towards stuff walking into a room and trying to get people to like you or love you is so much more difficult so when you get that face reaction and you're able to get people to erupt because you won or cheer you or get behind you especially if you walk into a cold room or a cold arena where they maybe they're not sold on you and then by the end of it they're fully behind you there's nothing more satisfying than that but I guess you can have a lot of fun when you're, you're being the bad guy as well and you, uh, you're you able to kind of like really ham it up. And But equally, it's the positives of that long-term storytelling because I mentioned that Thunder Bastard match earlier. I can remember going into that and, you know, like all Marks do, we were sat at the back fantasy booking it going, well, I mean, they're definitely going to win because this yeah. is the story they're trying to tell. And actually, when you win that, the reaction that you get as somebody who nobody expected it to necessarily be the winner was incredible and it just showed how much you know over months and years of hard work people have taken you to their heart that's got to be pretty cool yeah yeah it is and, and i feel that like progress as well there's been a lot of people who have been in and out of progress people have gone away for a couple of months and they've come back and they've gone away for a year and they've come back apart from the injury i came in in 2014 i do believe and i've been one of the mainstays there from 2014 up until uh Wembley so that's nearly four years I've had without without a real break and even when I had that break of that injury I left as an opening act and arrived as a main eventer from from injury so 
yeah, it it really does, especially progress because they can be some of the the most demanding fans. They want a lot from you, so to get them appreciative and get them kind of fully behind me, especially when I went on to have that championship match with with Travis Banks the month later, and they were fully behind me on the on the on the end the end moments. I mean, yeah, honestly, between you and Matt Riddle, you turned Travis because <laughs> because honestly, we all loved him, and then you worked so well against him that he came out the back of those two matches looking like Travis a turned Travis. <laughs> <laughs> All right, fair. That's fair. Um, you guys are in quite a unique position being more invested in the, the indie stuff, particularly with the stuff you guys do with Attack. So how do you think that the WWE, NXT UK and, and the new performance centre and everything is affecting the indie scene? Is it having a kind of positive effect on the guys that are, were, are now coming through now that you guys have moved on to the next opportunity? I can say from first-hand experience just from going back well so me and wild boar and uh flash all run dragon pro wrestling academy down in wales and as i said from first-hand experience a really direct kind of uh comparison is completely benefiting the independent scene what we can take from the pc in terms of how we're being trained we can pass directly down onto the next generation and it's funny because some people always like to assume like oh it's the indies versus them no, no it's not it's every it's all wrestling you know what I mean? and we all need to become better this is the first time our country has ever had a, not just a platform this big to let people be aware of the wrestling scene in this country but to also have the experience level of the wwe involved in this country you know because we We've never had that before, where there could be someone up the top to pass down the knowledge of years and years and years and years and years of experience in terms of everything, not just how to wrestle, but the production side of things, the training side of things, the the marketing side of things, everything, you know, like, uh, and again, from my experience with just Attack Pro, or helping run Attack Pro and training at Dragon Pro. It's so, it, right now is the best time to be a trainee at Dragon Pro or an upcoming wrestler working for Attack or an upcoming wrestler working for Progress or anywhere. And I, I can only imagine and you know assume highly that up and down the country this is the case because we've never ever had a, a time in in well ever really where the WWE has been helping the UK scene this much. It really is you know whether it's directly or indirectly it's being passed down to the next generation and we might not see the full benefits until that next generation are at the top of the British indie scene but it's definitely going to happen so it's I, I can't stress the, how much this is a positive thing and how, how positively this is affecting the entire scene it really is it's not it's not just it's not just us as well kind of taking that that stuff and passing it on but we're encouraged to do it like Robbie Brookside and even like William Regal they've said in the past like oh, your, your your role now are to pass on the knowledge make sure that the, the guy the next set of guys are ready to take those reins and keep this scene alive and, and to make sure there's people to move up when, when we move on and stuff like that so not only are we kind of getting those tools and then taking it upon ourselves and going okay we'll, we'll teach us we're encouraged to do it as well they, they want this scene to thrive they want it to be the best in the, well it already is the best in the world they want it to continue to be the best in the world if um if you had had something like WWK, NXT UK around when you guys were two, three years in, do you think it would have affected in any way the way that you, your careers had played out? It would have given me a much more solid plan because I think when we were starting out and up until you know, very fairly recently, to be honest, up until the last few years, we've kind of been playing a guessing game. There's not been no any route. You know, the reason 
Pete had to fly himself to Japan to train or we all had to fly ourselves to America multiple times to, to go out there and try and get seen is because there wasn't a direct route. Now there actually is, you know, now you see a roster of people who are up and down the country still with training academies or on shows or, or whatever they're doing and you can get in touch with them, you can give ask them advice. It's there's actually much more of a a visible ladder to climb before there wasn't, before you just had to make your own path and hope you'd gone the right way. So I do actually think that this just it just gives like an actual physical goal in mind, you know? Uh, and on top of that as well, we have a lot of the guys coming to NXT UK and doing less stuff on the indies. That does give way more opportunities to the next generation to come up, which I know that scares some independent wrestling fans, but genuinely in a few years they'll be grateful because <laughs> the next Pete Dunn will come in and the next Mark Andrews and Flash Morgan Webster and Zach Gibson and whoever else that that the next ones will come in and they will love them just as much as they loved us hopefully or if not more you know and and you know what I mean? That's hard to see now, but that will be the case because that's how wrestling works. <laughs> it's always moving forward. I always think it's like music fans who like they get they knew a band before they were big and then they're kind of torn when they actually start playing stadiums. They're like, well, we I'm, I'm, pleased well. For the, yeah, I'm pleased for them. They've done well. But at the same time, like you're not real fans. You weren't there at the beginning. Yeah. And, you know, British fans are brilliant, but also can be frustrating the way they kind of react to some of the stuff. You just think. You've, re- you've got to realise those. That's it's opening up more opportunities, and it's just going to mean more wrestling for you. It's because they're so passionate, though, isn't it? And that's why the scene is so good. Like there's people here that have gone f- full on. Like they go to four or five shows a, a a week. They travel around the country. There's some people where we've done the slog from like. Up, up, up Newcastle and we've come all the way down to London and we'll see the same fans on each show so they're also doing that slog they're, they're, they're committed to it and they're passionate about it so we can understand why they kind of get uh, annoyed or maybe they get scared because somebody's coming along and kind of going this thing that you love it's going to change and they're like oh oh no please please don't please don't, <laughs> yeah. please don't ruin it yeah. and it's and like no it's fine it's, it's going to be fine but we understand why, you, why you're worried and why you're scared change is, change is a scary thing but yeah it's their passion and their uh and their determination and their love for it that's allowed us to kind of get to this point. So in a way, all the success we're having is their fault because they've been... <laughs> <laughs> that's, yeah, that's so true. Yeah. That's is, funny. Is there... A, I, well, there's two final things. Is there, Whether there's a standout moment from the last year, but first of all, what was it like the first time you saw the NXT UK product and saw yourselves on the network in that in that WWE style where everything because I think we came down for a showing of it and it really stood out from moment one that it was very British but also very WWE. So what was that like for you guys seeing it for the very first time? It was awesome. <laughs> that's what you literally. That's what we wanted this whole time. Because it's funny when I was younger, I'd think, oh, I want to work for the WWE. And as I got older, I was like, oh, I'd love to if there was a way I could work for the WWE in this country and then it actually happened and I was like this is what it is this is that thing I was thinking of all along but I, I had people around you know I was watching it was, it was an exciting moment in that first episode of NXT UK like obviously we'd had the tournament before that and that was equally as exciting but seeing the first of what will be obviously ongoing that was really exciting I mean I, I said I had a load of friends around you know we cracked open a few beers and we watched it and I was like this is a celebration right here because this is actually st- I bet it was awesome you know I can't put it into words more really it was just a great experience <laughs> So what I, I what I loved is we did of course record that big block of, of tapings and I know that we'd watched like the Cambridge and then we went to 
where was it Birmingham. next? Birmingham. And then by the time you got to Plymouth, all the little bits like uh, the advice we've been given and the feedback and everyone kind of like was getting used to like the cameras. And by the time we got to Plymouth, I remember going, man, these shows are great. And then Cambridge Aid, and it got such a positive response. And I was like, oh, you've seen nothing yet. <laughs> yeah, I was like, yeah. I was like, we, we were watching back of those Cambridge shows and going like, it was like night and day. We were like, whoa, the improvement by Plymouth was huge. And people were losing their mind over these Cambridge shows and thinking how much they loved them. And we were going, well, if you're loving this, you wait till we get to, to Plymouth yeah. and you wait till we get uh, further and further because every time I watch a show, you can, there's a noticeable improvement week on, week on, week on. And the time we got to take over, it was unreal. And it was, every, the, the response we got online was incredible. Unfortunately, we weren't a part of that first takeover, but just to sit in the back and watch, watch the show was incredible. And we were so proud of the brand and everyone who was involved in that. Is it also a little bit weird that kind of, because like I said, when we first saw it, so about a week before it aired, we were in a, a conference room a bit like this and they showed it to kind of a bunch of journalists and about 20 minutes from the end, um, Pete and Tony came in because they were doing a, a kind of chat with us, but then sat there and watched it with us while they were both on screen. And you could see with both of them, they're like a, a little bit weird watching it with a group of people also watching them on TV. It was all kind of a little bit awkward. Is that a bit weird? Like you say, like getting mates around and watching it and then you come on. Are you in any way just like... It is really oh, weird. Just... No, it is, yeah. It's, maybe that's a British trait, I don't know. Because <laughs> it's like, I felt very awkward and I always, even when I watch it with my housemate and my girlfriend, and I'm always like, oh, guys, like don't look at this part. <laughs> you know? It's like a, What's yeah. that, guys? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I always promise I'm not getting beaten up, guys. Okay, now watch, I'm winning. <laughs> I always feel it's a bit like uh, when you when you have a favorite film and you go oh you need to watch this film maybe it's with a girlfriend or a friend and then like you're watching this film and then you're kind of like one eye watching them react to your favorite yeah. bits going do you like this film you're like yeah, that's so true <laughs> um don't want to and no spoilers from last night but both of you had a bit more of a, a singles involvement after a lot of tag stuff is there a target for you guys over the next six months year whatever it might be within nxt uk I think, yeah, me and uh, Flash have talked about this quite a lot. There has not been a Welsh champion in the WWE ever. So as much as it's we, we are be doing singles competition, but we love tagging with each other. Oh, it's great fun. Our eyes are on the NXT UK tag titles because if we can get those, we'll be the first ever Welsh champions in WWE history. And that alone is put in the history books. And, and that especially as well just makes me kind of especially proud to be Welsh. You know what I mean? As I said, there's there's... For the first time ever, there's been f more than one Welsh person in the WWE. There's five of us now. Us two, Eddie Dennis, Wild Boar, and um, Tegan Knox. So it's a race. It's a race for the five of us. And me and Flash want to win that race and become the tag team champions. Well, yeah, yeah, 100% what Mark just said. Like, I feel that we were kind of, when those tag battles come on, we come together and said, hey, maybe we should, we should be a team. And, and, we hadn't had lots of experience teaming together and I think maybe even we thought it would it would click instantaneously because we'd known each other for so long but it has been a work in progress but every time we wrestle we get we get a little bit better we kind of figure out what we're doing and I feel that uh, the the second outing against the, the against Gibson and Drake and then the match we had against uh, Fabian and Marcel I think those two definitely showed that we've begun to hit our stride when it comes to tag team wrestling and uh, we're going to keep on hitting it we're going to keep on getting cleaner and slicker and kind of getting those moves down and and if we get another shot for the, uh, the tag belts 
I'm I'm adamant that we're going to become the first Welsh champions in WWE. They're coming over to Wales. They are. <laughs> well, look, we wish you the best of luck becoming the first Welsh tag champions. Even if this afternoon we desperately hope that you lose the Grand Slam qualifier, whatever they're calling yeah. it on TV. <laughs> Can we cut this? Can we? <laughs> <laughs> but look, guys, really enjoyed it. Thanks so much for joining us, and uh, yeah, good luck. Thank you. Cheers for having us. Thank Cheers. you, guys. Flash Morgan Webster, Mark Andrews, really, really good fun chat with those guys. Really enjoyed catching up with them. We've got loads of big interviews coming over the next couple of weeks. We've got Frankie Kazarian from SCU and now AEW. Vicky Guerrero, former general manager at, uh, at WWE and, of course, uh, wife of the late, great Eddie Guerrero. And Victoria Ortara. Or Lisa Marie Veron, depending on how you know her, also joins the show. So those are all coming up over the next week or so. And we'll have our usual review of the week of wrestling coming on Friday. Thank you so much. As always, review, rate, subscribe, listen, do all that good stuff. Thank you so much for listening. This has been the Pro Wrestling Show. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.